Hello everybody, it's Hannah here. Um, I just wanted to all let you know that we're going to be doing a slight change of format for this episode because last night Esther saw Stop Making Sense for the first time. And so we thought it would be a kind thing to do to just sort of like, let Spencer talk to her about it for about three hours or so. Um, he's going to be like telling her his thoughts about it. He's going to be like asking her for her takes. It's going to be resetting a lot of trivia. I won't be speaking for the rest of the episode, but if you listen closely, you will hear me just humming the main melody of Genius of Love at a Tom Club. So with that, let's just jump right in. Yeah, no, I, I did uh, send a lot of trivia in the group text. I, I learned a lot last night. Yeah. That's not making sense. Yeah. Yeah, but it's I, fine. We're, I all, love we're the... all allowed. These... <laughs> from, that, from that movie Pig, uh, we don't get a lot of things to care about in this world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love the, the part that you mentioned to Esther where, like, in an interview years after the fact, uh, Chris Ferris is just like, I probably should not have been saying so much shit during the Tom Tom Club yeah. song. The way he said it was, Tom Tom Club is, is pretty cool. I wish I had kept my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so, I, I remember, like, even having that movie memorized, just seeing... Like seeing that again in IMAX, I it was a, mm-hmm. I just like keeled over laughing every single time he like said yeah. something. Um, there's gonna be a moment during this recording where like Esther and I are doing like an extended riff of our own, and then Spencer just like comes in and says, like, "The girls could do it too, y'all." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so hello everyone, and welcome to season four, episode two of Get Cynical. We are continuing to talk about the rise and fall of Cracked.com and emphasis on rise for this episode. We are covering the years of 2009 to 2012, specifically the written content. Next episode will be the video content. And this is, in my mind, and the numbers back this up, peak Cracked. This is Mm -hmm. the most successful the site ever was. It was garnering millions of page views per month, if not even more. It had millions of unique visitors. I think it had like gotten to like hundreds of millions of uh, views by the end of it. It was fucking crazy. It was more popular than College Humor or Funny or Die. It was just an enormous website, period. Like some of these articles we are going to talk about were getting like millions of views. They had a little view counter next to it. And the idea of any article... That is not either like the biggest story of the year or cat person getting millions of views is yeah. like today. It's just it's like inexplicable. I would I don't think that could ever happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting right? because like I think still at its peak because um, this is covering like my college years. Right. And. I would imagine as something like College Humor or Funny or Die, like if you had asked me, I would have said, oh, it's probably more popular than Cracked because it's just like really like boring normie type people that I'm aware of on campus will just like, you know, reference those skits a lot and whatnot. And Cracked still had this type of countercultural might be too strong a word, but definitely a sense of like, you're kind of a weird motherfucker if you're reading a lot of Cracked articles. But somehow... yeah. Everybody in the world was a weird motherfucker from 2009 to 2012. Uh, this, this, this site was huge. It was everywhere. I mean, I read it. A lot of my friends in middle school read it. Middle school, wow. Um, and it, it was everywhere. And this era is interesting because, like, 
I get why this was so popular, but you're starting to see like things, the sands move beneath their feet because <laughs> the the yeah. early era is just pure frat trash, as we ta- we've talked about. Like it is pure fucking just talking about bangable chicks and bangable women and boners and penises and like all sorts of just like dumb frat guy humor. This one, they're like, this is the emergent of Cracked as like this brand almost. Like they, they have like a clear vision and the pop culture stuff and the frattiness is still there. But you've also got this like very strong undercurrent of pop feminism that was there before yeah. but has really exploded now. Yeah, and I, I think beyond that as well, you, you definitely have a sense of like, you know, I, I think we were talking in the last episode about how the average reader of Crack.com in 2007 was assumed to be like 13 to 18 years old, maybe like middle school to like just starting college. And so now all those people are five years older, right? Um, which means yeah. that it takes on like the epic bacon pop psychologist, the epic bacon life coach, yes. the epic bacon, like, you know, airport, you know, book, just all these different ideas of like, Hey, fuck waffle. You're 23 years old. And here's not how to be a fail. It's interesting. You know, I think in this period cracked being so popular led it to have such a general audience in a way mm-hmm. that I don't think we really even see online anymore. I mean, you know, websites don't exist anymore in general, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But, like, the amount of people in some articles we'll get to who were, like, virulently in the comments of these things being, like, this article's full of shit and you're a fucking feminazi or whatever it is. Like, it's just so fascinating to see such a big website that is, like, so big that it's not an echo chamber. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) you know, writing these articles that, like, today we perceive as coming from these very, these places of, like, preaching to the choir. But, like, they were they were not. Like, when fucking Jason Pargan was writing articles like, you know, top five uh, ways that men shouldn't rape anymore. And the uh, <laughs> comments were like, well, fuck you if you think that. It's crazy. Let's talk about both Jason Pargan and that article in general. Since Jason Pargan, he kind of emerges as, like, the lead writer on the site. Like, not officially. He was not the editor-in-chief. I think that was still Dan O'Brien. But... He is like their main star, essentially. Like he is the he is the main talent at Cracked. And like, you know, I went through all these retrospectives on what were the most viewed articles of each year. And he is like reliably in the top three. 2012, he had the most viewed article on the site. 2011, I think he was like number three. And the tone he took was like, this is going to sound really, really mean, and I, I do not mean it this way, Mr. Pargan, but it is proto-Jordan B. Peterson. It is, like, mm-hmm. yeah, very, very, you know, all right, listen up, asshole. You know, your life is fucked, but uh, tough shit. I'm going to talk you out about it. Yeah. Uh, there's the article that I remember reading in middle school, and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm really ahead of the curve now, was uh, the 10 most important things they didn't teach you in school. And all of all of his articles at the time are like a mix of truisms that, you know, are more or less fine. And then some stuff that is just not aged, aged like very well at all. Like, you know, that 10 things, the 10 things that they didn't teach you in school article. Like, okay, the stuff about, you know, don't buy snake oil. That's true. 
Yeah. Uh, don't try and like get in badass fights on the street. That is probably true. But then there's also like a weird mix, like number two, number two on this, like above all the stuff about cooking cheap food and how to lose weight is political talk show hosts. They're full of crap. They're, they're too extreme. <laughs> yeah. They're, they need to have a dialogue. They're doing name calling. And then number one is just life is hard and you will die. Get over it. And it's, it's again. <laughs> I love the idea of someone learning that for the first time on crack.com. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, I mean, that is like why, that's why all of the life coach ones are so strange. Cause they're all like right next to, you know, top six movie plot holes and like uh, top five butts or whatever. Uh-huh. Like it's just such a strange mix. And it really does feel like the cracked, like writer staff having this moment of like, oh my God, like our audience is all these unruly teenage boys. We are in like this position of authority. We can like educate them on like ways to be in the world. (laughs) And it's just, it's just the most hysterical tonal mismatch uh, imaginable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can't, I want to, I want to read some choice comments from this article on Cracked, which was, I think like, the most controversial article they ever made at the time by like a pretty significant margin. And it was the five ways modern men are trained to hate women by Jason Pargan. And look, I, I got to say like straight up, most of what he says in this article is just objectively correct. Like yep, the is. writing style is very tedious. And like number three, it says, we think you're conspiring with our boners to ruin us. And I, I get how you could have like a, a bad reaction to this because even if the, the content's correct, it's phrased in this very hilariously condescending and stupid way that inspires revulsion. But it's correct is the thing. It's like entirely correct. And the comments on this article, there are 12,000, 14,000 of them, sorry, 14,000 comments. And uh, there's a lot of great, great stuff out of curiosity, really quickly, what date are you capturing on the Wayback Machine that has 14,000 comments? I went to 2013, which is a year after. A year uh, after I, this I came did out. as well. Um, mine is from the 22nd of September on uh, that date uh, in 2013, and it has only 12,000. So people were still adding a bunch of shit to this like a year and a half after it was published. Well, I remember that this article was, like, still getting promoted all the time on their front page. And, like, you know, that's kind of smart because it was getting <laughs> a lot of attention. Yeah. But the, the, one of the top comments is by Becky, uh, B-E-Q-I. Hi, Becky. And it says, the way the current world works doesn't really benefit men or women. I have a son, and I'm starting to see some of the ways men have it hard, too. Growing up female, I used to think oppression was a one-way street. But I'm starting to see where men are kind of discriminated against as well. Not being allowed to show normal emotion, not being allowed to be seen as adults, not being portrayed as loving parents, etc. Yeah. <laughs> the, the com- yeah, the comments here are, are awesome. The, on, the, on the Wayback Machine date that I selected, the very first one by L-I-F-H... Oh, yeah. That's re- my guy, too. You're replying to someone named Hyraxi Mayan, who is all over these comments. God bless her. Uh, saying things that today are entirely uncontroversial and just being pilloried for it. But this guy says, Hyraxi Mayan, I am disgusted at your response and all the people who agree with you. No true feminist would give your comment a thumbs up. I'm sorry, but it's true. 
And he goes on for a little bit and says, Your comment gave me that icky feeling inside that only my mother and father gave me when they tried to make me feel inferior. I'm like that man from the Green Mile. I can feel <laughs> evil and hatred poking through me like a thousand needles. <laughs> this is the last comment I want to read. Yeah. It's by Death Worm Nexus. <laughs> Great. Okay. I think what really screwed with my head on this article is the massively broad generalization of men in general. You're really going to use free republic as a measure of all men's thinking. You're really going to use examples of public masturbation to show that all men are massively controlled by their dicks. Seriously? The thing I found most disturbing is the amount of hate for men right between the lines of this article. The other thing was that he felt that fictional characters didn't have a choice in their relationship but missed the part where they are fictional. Let alone the fact that the men in these works of fiction don't have a choice in their relationship to be ignored. John McClane got back together with a woman he couldn't stand and ended up divorced again if I remember. Yeah, I am really sure he felt getting back together with her was such a prize. If you're going to write about gender issues, be sure to consider the fact that there are two genders being screwed over and that men aren't a conspiracy unto themselves. It just perpetuates the same problem. And someone in the comments very points out, like, no one thinks there's a literal conspiracy by men against <laughs> women. It's just like, he just like yeah. very basic, like feminist semiotics 101. And the comment gets downvoted to shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what I found um, in a number of these like smaller comments was uh, people being like, uh, who, who wrote this? Was it Pargan? Yeah. Pargan. Yeah. Uh, under his David Wong pseudonym at the time. Um, so people were just being like, uh, David, uh, I think that you overestimate how much, like, men think about, like, sex and, like, you know, power relations with women and whatnot. Um, you might just be, like, a little cum-brained. And the thing is, like, you know, th that is not a correct argument to, like, dismiss any of the, like you said, annoyingly phrased, but, like, uncontroversially true things that he said. But when you are posting that as, like, a comment to somebody on crack.com, it's like, well, you fucking got him, didn't you? <laughs> it's like, it's... If, if you just try to say that in a general sense, then it's like, okay, well, obviously it can be dismissed. But, like, if you're talking about David Wallach specifically, then it's like, yes, he does think about sex way too much. Um, he has yeah. a whole website about it. This is, this, is one of the, this is one of those cases where, like, you know, don't shoot the messenger, but, like, yeah. it's fine if he catches a few strays. Well, for sure. His biggest article in this regard was uh, Six Harsh Truths That Will Make You a Better Person. This one was fucking huge. It was yeah. everywhere. And this article is really interesting to me since it's a mix of stuff that I think is still, like, genuinely pretty useful for a lot of people to hear. Like, the stuff about, like, the, the analogy he has about the guy stabbed on the street and someone going up to him is like, oh, don't worry, I'm a good person, is is, like, pretty cutting and pretty spot on. But... Then he has like a section where he plays the Alec Baldwin, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross speech. And he's like, this guy <laughs> yeah. is awesome and correct. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, this, it's this really weird mishmash of like stuff that is kind of bracing and like important for a lot of young and entitled people to read. But then a lot of stuff that is just like your, your fattest gym coach, like huddling you all around and just saying a bunch of bullshit that's on his head. Yeah, it's, it's halfway the sort of, like, again, reasonable things where it's just, like, if you think of yourself as a good person, but that never actually, like, comes out into things that you do, then, like, you should probably work on it to some extent. It's like, okay, yeah, cool, yeah. Yeah, that means you're a narcissist. Kids probably, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. like, kids probably do need to hear that because, like, they will have, like, a self-conception of themselves in a certain way, but, like, 
they won't necessarily even have a lot of opportunities right in front of them to like prove out that self-conception. So it's like, you have to go out of your way a little bit. But then the other half is just this idea that it's like, you know, the world doesn't give you any handouts and like nobody's going to care about you. Phrased in a way where it's like, it's kind of framed as a good thing, right? Like the Glenn, he posts the Glenn Gary Glenn Ross clip twice. Um, yeah. And he's like really obsessed with this idea basically that it's like, you need this tough love. You need to be told that like the world doesn't value you and like nothing about you is an interesting or lovable or whatnot. And you need to like forge yourself into something else. And, you know, again, the, the, the comparison you made that this is like proto Jordan Peterson is very, very on like dead on. I feel like did any, did either of you ever read uh, the last psychiatrist? No, I got linked to it a little bit, but um, it was extremely boring to me. <laughs> yeah, um, the last psychiatrist, you know, I I don't want to like go out on a limb and defend for everything, but he did this type of shit a lot better because it didn't have this like vaguely Anne Randy like affect to it. Basically, it didn't have this like self improvement tip to it. The the, the kind of Jordan Peterson thing. It was just more diagnostic and more direct about just you know, describing narcissism in American people. It's just, it's something that just came to my head, but I, I kind of want to stick up for this kind of stuff because like it was uh, maybe not a brave choice, but a good choice to get a lot of teenagers reading this stuff to not like make them feel comfortable all the time. But there is just this tone that just like, eh, I don't know. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with it. For sure. Um, but I, I will say as well, before we get fully off of the Jordan Peterson track, um, that something that you see with a lot of these articles is um, moving to a lot more like self-evidently depressed era of Cracked, where it's like in the first episode, it seemed like they were having fun at least. Like they were so excited to tell you the epic bacon history of like, you know, five reasons why Theodore Roosevelt was more manly than he'll ever be. But now it's just like, this is self-help advice from people who seem just really obviously miserable or when they're talking yeah. about like the pop feminism stuff, then it is like clearly obviously like coming from a place of either like self-loathing or like being a woman who is um, like wallowing in that stew of that culture and feels like immersed in it from all sides. Like they all hate what they're doing at this point. There, there's a great one from 2011 by Gladstone. Yes. It's, it's called, the six biggest disappointments of my disappointing life. <laughs> There's another Gladstone article I want to read, but he is going to be he is going to be the MVP of this entire season because everything he says is insane. <laughs> yeah, um, we're gonna loop back around to it later, but there's a passage from the the Gladstone, the six biggest disappointments one that I I am begging to read. The first thing that he's got here is little girls suck just as much as little boys. Um, now nah, pause. Flag on the play. (laughs) Yeah, there's like, you know, another one I was just like, grown-ups cheat too, like cheaters prosper, they don't get karma and whatnot. College is not so much different than high school. So, okay, check this out. But then, in the second half of my freshman year, this dark, mysterious girl moved in across the hall from me. One day, we got to talking in her room about how cool David Bowie and Alice Cooper were. One thing led to another, and suddenly she was making my face up with her mascara, eyeshadow, and lipstick. You see, besides being confident in my sexuality, I was pretty sure this was just foreplay. I quickly excused myself and went back to my room across the hall to get a condom. 
While I was gone, however, my sophomore transfer roommate had invited his gang of well-tailored Sigma Chi date rapists over. My appearance was difficult to explain, but considering these guys literally vomited on each other as part of initiation, I didn't feel I owed anyone an explanation. Anyway, the joke was on them because I totally got... Actually, I think it just ended up being second base. Maybe shortstop. Is that a thing? Anyway, those first two years of college were super rough. And then right after that, there's <laughs> he puts a picture of like a goth kid. And it's captioned, don't worry, when I was greeted by the Hitler youth in my dorm room, I only look 20% gayer than this. Yeah, what strikes me most about this passage is that there's no, like, punchline or point to it. It's just this little, like, tree of life, like, flashes of memories. (laughs) This is what would have happened if if Linklater had made a sequel to Boyhood. This would have been the first scene. So, yeah, on one side, you do have, you've got the, the... You know, pop feminist, you've got the life coach stuff by Christina H. Christina H. had an article that was called Six Obnoxious Assumptions That Hollywood Makes About Woman. And again, it's just correct. Like, it's just women get angry for no reason in movies. And uh, women have conflicts between family and a six-figure job. And they're always catty and stuff like that. Again, it's correct. And then, you know, she was obviously not very popular with the community for that. (laughs) And then you have, on the other hand, you have, on the other hand, have, uh, you still have the pop culture stuff, mostly in my head spearheaded by Dan O'Brien, who has this, and look, I'm sorry, Dan, I know that you're writing for fucking John Oliver now, so you're probably a better comedy writer than I'll ever be, but at the same time, like... Your article that was like the top five most badass presidents or whatever. <laughs> is, I, I, come on, man, that was yeah. bad. Yeah, and especially it, it, since one of them is fucking Andrew Jackson. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong for this one. <laughs> I beat you with clubs. I'm sorry, dude. Um, <laughs> Andrew Jack, and you like kind of you don't even mention the fact like the whole trail of tears shit. Like you're just like, oh, he was badass because he shot people. It's like <laughs> back then. <laughs> that was a hobby back then. People had shot who? Shot who? Um, there, there's another uh, female writer who did a bunch of the sex and romance and feminism stuff called Kathy Benjamin. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to bring her up briefly because I gave her a Google while we were doing the research for this episode, and she is still doing cracked style writing for a website called Grunge. Like, if you Google her name, there's a bunch of articles called, like, famous things defaced by tourists and musicians who tragically died by drowning. (laughs) This is, this is like a mirror world version of when you get fired and you have to train your replacement. (laughs) You are the replacement being trained right now. (laughs) So, continuing that, there's also a lot Wait, actually, wait, before we continue, I, I just noticed in the little preview from Google... It shows the first sentence, like of the like the lead from musician who tragically died by drowning, and it says, "It's always tragic when someone dies by drowning. Throw a celebrity <laughs> victim, in, throw a celebrity victim into the mix, and you have a, uh, and then it gets cut oh, off." No. <laughs> I fucking love the ChatGPT house style of that. That is, oh, that's, that is some like great like eighth grader at two a.m. writing. <laughs> Yes. When drowning meets celebrities, <laughs> articles are in the mix. <laughs> that's like that's the ultimate fate of like Chad GPD is that like everything written is going to have the exact same syntax and prose style of like 
a freshman writing like an essay the day before and it's going to be everything is going to be x is a world of contrasts yes every single thing <laughs> is going to have the dictionary definition and there's also you know on the other side of it you have the pop culture stuff we talked about dan o'brien but there is so many listicles and lists that are you know, most of these opinions are kind of anodyne now. Like, most of them are just, like, standard nerd grievances. Like, you know, they talk about the Endor Holocaust after Return of the Jedi. You know, that's just, like, something every fucking midwit brings up when they talk about those movies. And they, yeah. But also, there are so many that are just, like, wrong. Like, there's, like, top ten, uh, you know, villains who are right all along. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, one of them is the mutant registration in X-Men. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that one is just like, damn, but think about it. What if the Jews really were that good at controlling the economy? <laughs> what if black people's verticals threatened us all? There's another great one, another X-Men one from another list. I don't even remember which one that I loved about, like, you know, movie endings with plot holes. That was like, um, at the end of one of these X-Men movies, why wasn't Magneto in jail? <laughs> He committed a crime. Yeah, a lot of these, again, they, 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 they're trying to, like, poke holes in popular culture. Like, oh, yeah, that was the one. Plot holes that you missed through editing. And though some of them are, like, a little cute. Like, you know, um, Harrison Ford sneaking onto a subway on in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then some of them just, it, it's a real reach. Like, you can tell they had two or three they were passionate about, like the Dark Knight and the Indiana Jones one. And then they just included ones that don't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> like, Cypher should have been the one in the Matrix. And it's yeah. like, or it's like, what happened to the microchips in The Departed? Yeah, like, I like where they, <laughs> that they're like, actually, in The Departed, why did World War Three start because of the microchips? No, it, it's so <laughs> funny because it's like, they based that off of like one throwaway line said by like, you know, Jack Nicholson's character where he's like talking to the Chinese buyers and being like, if you want to blow up Taiwan, you'll need these. And it's just like, no, that's just something that like a somewhat racist asshole is just like saying because he's like a, a, a crass, loud piece of shit, right? Like, the idea of watching The Departed and be, watching all Jack Nicholson scenes and being like, wow, black people really do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a plot hole. Uh, I, I've never encountered a black person who actually does that. Yeah. <laughs> For me, when it gets really, really bad, though, it's like the pop culture stuff, you know, it's I maybe I'm just immune to like people pointing out plat holes and back to the future or whatever. Like maybe that's just it doesn't affect me anymore. The stuff that is just infuriating. Well, there's two things. One is that they would offer a lot of like advice and psychological stuff that is just wrong. Like there are so many articles. It's like five things you didn't know you were doing wrong. And yeah. then they would just cite, like, a single study in one of them. Yeah. yeah. That, that's so many of these articles. There are so many that it's like we're challenging your preconceived notions about, like, what you should do in real life. And then, again, they just stud They, like, will hyperlink a single study. Yeah. I looked up one of these where it was one that was called, like, moral balancing. It was something that they brought up. It's like, oh, if you are, like, better about the environment, then you're going to be worse as a person in other regards because like people see these as like things that they can morally balance out and i just like google moral balancing uh no wikipedia page does not appear to be like accepted in scientific literature the last papers on it say that like yeah we found no evidence of this shit we can't replicate the study 
and it's yeah it, it's it's you know again we talk about these articles being the epic bacon version of other stuff and like this is now bacon malcolm gladwell you know it's yeah. it's just like i found one study and here's like or a complete reach from that that'll change your life this is this is Cosmo for men is the way I would describe it. And it's funny because they <laughs> go they after Cosmo, Cosmo a lot. Yeah, we got to <laughs> talk about some of the, one of these Cosmo articles because there's one that had me shrieking. The Cosmo articles are fucking crazy because they, they, they'll they go through... I mean, this is, this is very much... Uh, this is like hating someone who is basically identical to you. <laughs> yeah. It's like a dog barking at the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the Cosmo articles are, they would read through Cosmo articles and they would find like weird, uh, like stuff that's in those articles. And obviously Cosmo is written by fucking psychopaths. Like they're selling magazines to people at grocery stores. Of course, they're going to have to put dog shit in there, but then they would like go after them and make them look like, like there was a secret society writing for Cosmo that was out to castrate men or whatever. <laughs> yeah. What was the one that really made you shriek? So the one it's, it's seven sex tips from Cosmo that will put you in the hospital, <laughs> which is a great title off the bat, but uh, like, it's like it's after a while, it's, it's silly, right? It's like number six, like jiggle his balls. Number five, yank his crotch hair. But then I got to number one. <laughs> And number one is just labeled, put him in the fucking hospital. And it's the, the clip from Cosmo is, quote, make two fists around my shaft and twist them in opposite directions as fast as you can. Just <laughs> the mental image of that really got me. Oh. oh. <laughs> in, in opposite directions as fast as you can. <laughs> That was from a male reader, though, that submitted it, is the thing. Like, that is, that is, it says from Jamie, aged 30. <laughs> yeah, it says, it, notably, it says, put my penis. Yeah. <laughs> as fast as you can. And again, like, it's, it's kayfabe, right? The one that's killing me is the one that says, uh, sprinkle a little pepper under his nose before he climaxes. <laughs> put him in a sexual Tie her to the... Tie him up to the train tracks before. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in a bag and carry him around town. Yeah. <laughs> I like that there's one of these, number three, the, you know, it's phrased very uh, uh, elaborately, but basically the substance of it is like, listen, women, you need to jack us off hard. <laughs> you need to grab that shit and yank like you're trying to pull off a band-aid. Yeah. Yeah. And like... <laughs> A really good friend of mine has pointed out how, and I, I can't say I blame Cosmo, but there is a tendency, like the girl version of not knowing where the clit is, is giving a guy the hand job from Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, I, I think basically, like, I'm not defending Cosmo here, but like, what I think that these don't necessarily understand, um, and what a lot of, like, the, the sort of, like, pop culture feminism of, like, women need to be protected from themselves of this era don't particularly understand is that, like, there is an element of kayfabe to all of this, right? There is an element of, like, I am not going to necessarily read Cosmo and literally interpret all of these signs that my boyfriend is cheating as him actually cheating. I'm sure some, you know, like, 
women who read that would. But for like most yeah. readers, it's going to be like beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> for most readers, though, it's it's going to be this idea of like this lets me imagine that my life is a little more exciting, right? That like my boyfriend is doing like spy stuff behind my back, and I have to like pick up on the clues or whatnot, right? It's the same yeah. type of just like LARPing as something that's a little more exciting than what you have right now. Um, yes, and and like you know, again, it does suck, but like there is. I mean, the pop culture feminism and stuff, again, it does curdle so easily. The, the first bit that I was going to bring up is an article about, like, we need to stop talking about Lady Gaga that I think was from Dan O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Notably, Dan O'Brien has, like, a number of, like, articles uh, in this stretch where he mentions, like, oh, by the way, I only wear, like, one white shirt and two pairs of jeans, and they all have stains, and they all have holes, and I look like shit, and I smell like shit. But... Someone doing something weird in avant-garde with fashion, that's worse than that. <laughs> but, like, he has an old, a whole article basically about how, like, listen, Lady Gaga, you you disgusting slut. You're not interesting. You're not doing anything cool. I hate you. You give women a bad name. And there's another <laughs> article that is, like, reasons that it's hard to be a Joss Whedon fan. And it has, like, a pop culture feminist stretch in it where he's like... You know, his women aren't as actually as empowering as you think they are. But it also takes, like, several digressions to be like, oh, and by the way, Eliza Dushku, fuck you for being a vapid actress. <laughs> Literally calls her vapid, like, gets so mad at her for not, like, being as good in the, the lead role of Dollhouse as he wanted. While, again, all the time, like, praising Angel of all things. It's like, I'm not sure that's one of the ones that people finally remember. There was a great line in that article yeah. that was, like... Uh, along those lines that was like he said something like Whedon shippers are to Trekkies as the nation of Islam was to the civil rights movement it's very cool (laughs) (laughs) very cool they're calling it the most racist sentence ever written Just, like, imagining, like, Malcolm X, like, going to the homes of, like, people who are like, oh, no, you don't understand. They shipped Wash with Mal. (laughs) And it's just like, I cannot follow Mr. Whedon anymore. (laughs) But, so, what they ultimately hate more than anything, I feel like, is women who they deem unworthy of their pop feminism. Yes. Like, we will extend this magnanimously. But if you spit on our blessing by being vapid or whorish or like, uh, there's a great Gladstone piece about how women are too slutty. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what we're going to read later. We are going to read that. Amazing. Yes. Give it to me. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's, again, it's so fragile. It's so brittle, the pop feminism. And they tried really hard. Like, they had two regular writers. I don't know. I don't think either of them were like full on staff writers. You know, they had a very strong freelance market and writer's room and i think you got paid like 50 or 75 dollars for one of your articles going through but they the two other two other writers jf Sargent and luke mckinney luke mckinney i you know i don't know anything about uh jf Sargent. um you know google that name plus a couple of words that's all i'm going to say Uh-oh. uh you know they went so so fucking hard on like the feminist stuff really 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 hard on all of that shit and we'll read them more as we talk more about like you know the evolution of the show the site getting more and more political 
and you know the site pivoting like harder into the infotainment stuff and the various uh, problems that would occur when they did that. J.F. Sargent, for example, made the article six movies with political agendas you didn't notice. And I regret not plugging this into archive of their own because this is going to, uh, this, I'm sure there's some fucking gold in this, but uh, some of it, number six on this article is, and you know, you're going to have a seizure if you're used to, uh, you know, movie Twitter discourse, but it says the dark Knight. Batman kidnaps foreign citizens just like the CIA. <laughs> but any, uh, anywho, Luke McKinney also did I this, love this shit dude. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did uh, the eight stupidest defenses against accusations of sexism. Okay, okay, I, that's my favorite article from this whole stretch because it is basically <laughs> him saying, eight times my own readers called me gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eight times I got pussy for being a good ally. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like the, it's so mad. It's like single fucking angriest thing. It's not wrong, again, like... He's pointing out like all these fucking frothing at the mouth misogynists who read our shit like they they call it like misandry and white knight shit because they're fucking freaks. But you can't be writing a full article where you like respond to like at at Hitler bros article. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like this 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 is a listicle with eight entries. That's the thing. Like that's a high for a crack. (laughs) It's mad. It's very, very mad. Really, really mad. Oh, he couldn't leave any of them on a cutting room floor. These this article's great too because it like predicts the next ten years of discourse. Like mm-hmm. there's the one where it's like, actually it's okay for sexist things to be sexist. And they're talking about, you know, sexy costumes and like if you were on Twitter when Bayonetta two came out, like, you know, you might be entitled to some fucking reparations. This is this yeah. is all discussions from like two or three waves of feminism ago, where we have now all Mostly, aside from a few holdouts, have collectively decided to discuss things in broader terms rather than just talking about, like, superhero costumes with cleavage or whatever. I also want to say Luke McKinney dove into the really annoying historical side of this site because Mm -hmm. the stuff that was wrong for me, the stuff that was the worst was when they talked about history because... There is so much that is just flat fucking wrong what they talked about. Yeah, I noticed that in like the Google Doc where like you shared the articles that we're going to be reading for this one. There were several where you just added parenthetically, this was just wrong. <laughs> and like, yeah, I, no. I want to open the floor to you because like, I don't know enough about any of these like subjects to comment on like, oh, this is an obvious factual error. But just like, I want to know how basic they are. Well... Um, the cracked one, uh, seven reasons why Vladimir Putin is the world's craziest <laughs> badass. I mean. That one's so funny because it's all just photo ops. It's just yeah, no, all... it is all. Here is him outside surrounded by the entire media. Yeah, it's it's here's him doing like five things that are really like, you know, clearly choreographed. And one of them is just he's hot. And it's like, <laughs> again, what are you doing here? <laughs> like. Did you think he was going to be the new Teddy Roosevelt for you or no? <laughs> that was a big thing back then, though, with Putin is this like the shirtless picture of him on a horse. Yeah. Um, it was just a totally value neutral thing to talk about. Like Vladimir Putin is kind of low key a uh, badass. Does anyone else like he goes ice fishing or whatever? No. <laughs> 
So the the two that really struck me as ones that are just wrong. So there's the article, 10 mind-blowing Easter eggs hidden in famous albums. And I know these are wrong because I believed they were right until I like <laughs> looked it up years later. And then there was like, oh, wait, what the fuck were they talking about? Number number eight in the Easter eggs and albums one is Radiohead's decade-spanning secret album. Oh, I love this one. And it says that if you sequence OK Computer and In Rainbows with a 10-second crossfade, it creates a new secret album. And that, I mean, that's... How do I even begin to describe how fucking dubious that is to begin with? Like What you've described here is a mixtape. <laughs> By adding ingredients to the sandwich, you could create a new secret sandwich. <laughs> Did you know that if you actually reassemble, like if you take the bread from your sandwich and take that off, and then you put different meats and like yeah. lettuce in it, if you put it back together, it actually creates a brand new sandwich out of the one you already had. A band that has, you know, a pretty distinctive sound. I mean, they're not the exact same albums, but a band who you can comfortably identify uh, within a certain sound. If you put their two albums, you know, if you splice them together, they sound like a longer album. That's like, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty specious. But the one that's also just incorrect is when they said that The Clash wanted to make a double album for London Calling. And the way they did that was they were allowed only a promotional single, but they filled up the B-side of the single with extra songs. I've never been able to find a source for that in my entire life. <laughs> Never. The only thing that even resembles that is that Stand By Me, the single, was added at like the last second and uh, they didn't even get a chance to put it on the album. So it became a hidden track. That's the only thing. And when you click on the link in the article, it just links to the Wikipedia page for London Calling. So that is completely wrong. Completely fucking wrong. And that's 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 a, like a recurring trend here because... The wrongest thing I ever remember them saying was in a photoplasty. And we'll have to talk more about photoplasties. But uh, one of the submissions was like 10 easy do-it-yourself health tips. Mm -hmm. And one of the tips was uh, if, if you have a clogged ear, cover your an, a Q-tip in hydrogen peroxide and stick it in there and it'll feel great. <laughs> and it'll feel great. That's so cool. Yeah. On the positive side, and I hate to say this because this guy, you know, complete scumbag, all of his articles were nuked after pretty serious allegations we'll cover later during the uh, fall part of this rise and fall story, is John Cheese. Yeah. He writes a couple of pretty good articles about living poor and like the mental effects it has on you. Like the one where he writes about how when you grow up poor, you get all these stupid habits like you kind of prefer fake food to real food. You're in constant fight or flight mode. And those are like actually like the best articles I read out of all of those, which is horrible to say because he is by all accounts an evil, evil man. Yeah, but it's it's like very much um, sort of predicting the way of like first person writing um, of even stuff that I do on crack later with like the, you know, I was raised in a cult. Here's my experience type of stuff. Um it's very clear that like there's something there that is interesting for people to latch onto because like you can see them spinning their wheels a little bit by 2012. It is like their heyday, but like there's so many fucking repeats. Like there's eight articles in what we saw that are like harsh life truths that will make you better or like yeah. harsh dating truths that will make you better. 
or like six plot holes that are plot holes. And it's just like, well, what's new? What is not just that? And these things that are about like specific people's experiences that aren't just sort of like broadened out to the like widest possible assumed audience of like young dudes. There's juice to that. Even if the guy like is a fucking piece of shit, like there is juice that like people want to know more about. I, I also, my favorite variant on that is by Dan O'Brien and it's just five things they never told us. <laughs> <laughs> five new facts. <laughs> Here's five numbers. I, I also want to say, uh, you know, you mentioned that wheel spinning stuff, but something when I talk to people who wrote for the site uh, is that the site's culture around this time, like in the writers and stuff, was mostly, I heard nothing but positive things basically around this time. Like, it seems like it was genuinely a really fun place to write and a really like fun environment, which is, you know, kind of disappointing for this show. Because we're used to, like, that guy with the glasses where it was just a fucking nightmare from beginning to end. Or, you know, Max Landis who, you know, had his whole fucking mine of evil or whatever. But by all accounts, this was, like, a very fun and supportive environment for people. Which uh, ma- makes the, the kind of rapid implosion that's coming later a little bit darker. Yeah, there's, like, one other article before we sort of, like, get to the grand finale. Or I guess it's two. Um that I did want to bring up because this is like something where I'm, uh, I guess our subject matter expert, so to speak. Um, but this is like an author that was very formative of how a lot of like, even current culture, uh, is discussed. Um, this is a guy named Sean baby. I don't know what his real name is. It's Sean something, but he would do a lot of like, you know, the, the epic whiskey president stuff for the site, but he would also write specifically articles about MMA and fighting um and the thing is he has one of the most unbearable writing styles that is still like very influential in mma circles like they have not stopped finding this shit really hilarious right um esther do you see this one that i linked you to called the 10 worst mma fights of all time Yes, I do. Can you read from Anderson Silva versus Tales Leites, uh, UFC 97, up until where it says commercial? Sure. Uh, UFC middleweight champion Anderson Silva is widely regarded as the best striker to ever fight in MMA. He dodges punches like he's in the Matrix and holding an NES advantage. In the time it takes you to tell your foot to kick, he's circled behind you and built a bear trap under it. It's suicide to attack him. However, there's one problem with being Anderson Silva. Everyone knows that you're Anderson Silva. Everyone who fights him is scared to death to get close. Let's try to attack the problem logically. 1. Anderson Silva is waiting for you to punch him. 2. That guy is Anderson Silva. 3. Don't fucking punch that guy. Uh, Tales Leites is apparently a man of logic because he came to the same conclusion. I've seen more aggression from lesbian couples reciting their wedding vows. What? (laughs) Tales' game plan seemed to be waiting for a stage light to fall on Silva. He'd occasionally go for takedowns with all the enthusiasm of a tobacco-funded anti-smoking commercial. That's not a joke. That, you... That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's the thing, right, of, like, trying to act like you're the, the epic badass MMA bourbon bastard guy when, like, all you know are, like, high school English class similes every second. <laughs> Sub-zero punctuation is the <laughs> yeah. only way I'm going to describe this. Absolutely. Um, 
So it's it's that type of shit, right? And like to this day, there's like a really popular MMA YouTube channel called Napoleon Blown Apart. That's just like a guy with a Scottish accent and a really monotone Fuck voice, off. very slowly saying Sean Baby sentences for an hour. Um, and he gets like hundreds of thousands of views. Um, okay. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. So the grand finale for this. Look, we've talked a lot about how this site is making an attempt to move a bit more to the liberal side of feminist discourse and, you know, just generally like vaguely liberal on certain topics. You know, it's very like daily show liberalism, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it's still there. Uh, But on the flip side of that, you have Wayne Gladstone, returning champion, host of Hate by Numbers, who wrote an article that somehow got published called... uh, Three mistakes women make when dealing with men. And I want to know something about this one conceptually before we dive into it. Because um, there's no attempt at like, here's one article that proves me wrong. There's not even any attempt to be like, oh, and by the way, you might know me as this misanthrope, but I've actually been happily married for 10 years. So I know what I'm talking about. There's no reason that he gives at any point of why to believe this. He is clearly, like, the most depressed, miserable, loathsome piece of shit just on the site at this point. I think point. he was married when he wrote this is the best part. <laughs> I didn't realize he, was, he got like, divorced. 40. Yeah, no, this guy is, this guy old as hell. But anyways, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this... <laughs> Three mistakes women make when dealing with men. So we're going to read the article in its entirety. And I don't feel bad about doing this because unlike the other guys we're talking about who seem like, you know, pretty good dudes and have probably moved on to, you know, funnier stuff. This guy seems like a complete piece of shit and I have no, no bones about dragging his name through the mud. But uh, three mistakes women make when dealing with men. <clears throat> I wanted to write this column for quite some time, but I was afraid of coming off as some sort of spokesman for angry dudes everywhere. All right, that's where you should hit the delete button. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. Frankly, I'm not a big fan of most men. Let me guess, you hate everyone. And I think women have every reason not to trust us, especially when it comes to sex. After all, most guys would cut off their own dick to get laid. Um... So, yes, ladies, you're right. When it comes to sexual interactions, men are mostly awful. But now what? You think you'll avoid all the problems that come with interacting with half the human race just because you know we're not to be trusted? Clearly, that's not enough. Because everyone knows that. And yet you keep stepping in it. Listen, you dumb whore. (laughs) Listen, you fucking cunt. Listen up. Here are three of the biggest mistakes women make. When it comes to men. All right. Someone take over for number three. Only someone three. please take over. Yeah. Number three, playing hard to get is a good idea. This technique is as old as it is pointless. But before we see why, let's get the terminology right. This entry is about playing hard to get. That doesn't mean being hard to get. Women of the world, please go out and be every bit as picky as you think you deserve. No one, not even an incredibly sexy older man ready for a successful... <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, dude, you don't need to say older man. You don't need to say older older man. man. (laughs) Please. No, I I fucking thought 
like when I was reading this and as these articles were written that they were like maybe five years older than me and whatnot, I did not know that like this motherfucker went to college in the nineties. <laughs> this dude is so old. He's like a lot older than, I mean, all the other guys were like 30 or something at the time when yeah. they made this, this dude seems, I don't know. He's, 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 he's been like, around. He's gotta be like 50 at this point. Um, yeah. Great stuff. Okay. Uh, Noah, not even an incredibly sexy older man writing for a successful website, has the right to tell you who you should be dating. Standards are great, and kudos to you for having them. What I'm talking about is women who are actually in the market for a specific man. They know who they want, they got them all picked out, and their strategy for landing him is simply playing hard to get. What a boring, useless waste of time. Some of you disagree. Bullshit, you say wearing your incredibly tight top of indifference and pretending to have no peripheral sorry what am i wearing an incredibly tight top of indifference that's my favorite magic the gathering card (laughs) tight top of indifference Uh, yeah well you're well you're wearing your voluptuous bra of indifference (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, while you're wearing the black panties in this picture and uh can i get a picture (laughs) with no panties as well Can I get yeah. one with a corset of indifference? <laughs> Can I get one where you're wearing six-inch heels of indifference? <laughs> yeah, I've never seen a woman look good wearing yoga pants of indifference. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then there's just a, a woman who looks a little upset, and she's hot, and she's wearing like a vaguely tight shirt, and it's captioned, This is you. Yeah, I guess that's me. Distinguishing yourself, that's the whole point of playing hard to get. Instead of being like the other needy girls, you act super cool and uninterested to stand out. You know what else would distinguish you? Giving better head than everyone else. Uh, no! Uh, now before you stream me up for being crass. <laughs> now before you make me six inches tall for being crass and <laughs> step on me and let me just sort of get gummed up between your toes yeah. for being crass. Where are you getting... Get mad and turn into a 50-foot woman. (laughs) Before you transform me into a horse. (laughs) Before you watch the movie Audition and then think to yourself, I should do Audition to Wayne Gladstone and then do Audition to Wayne Gladstone. (laughs) Hear me out. I'm proving a point via an oral sex joke the way the good lord intended. It makes sense to want to stand up from the crowd to do something to distinguish yourself. But why not actually do something? Be funnier, smarter, kinder, or yes, even though it's a joke, better in bed. At least those are skills, something tangible. What's yeah, playing hard if to there's get? one thing guys love, it's when, like, you know, a woman who's out to get them learns how to weld. <laughs> <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever encountered, like, I don't know, can you count on more than one hand, like, woman you've encountered, not just to you personally, but, like, in the sum total of your life, who have genuinely full-on played hard to get? And by played hard to get, I don't mean they were just, like, straight up ignoring someone or saying, no, fuck off. Okay, there's an answer here. It will just lower my esteem in the eyes of... (laughs) Fucking, it's my parents. <laughs> my mom has been very upfront that she did that with my dad. Man. Yeah, that seems like a 1950s thing. Like, yeah, that, seem, yeah. that seems like a 1950s yeah. thing because, like... That's how old my parents are, by the way. They were, they were dating in the 1950s. <laughs> they were 70 when you were born. Yeah. I have new kinds of autism they haven't even invented yet. <laughs> It's me and Baron Trump. We can do the shining with each other. 
Yeah, no, that that, se- that seems like something that like died a long time ago. Is my point like that? that oh yeah, is, very much. It's so. not. It's like <laughs> as we have given more rights to women and social standing, <laughs> it feels like well, I don't have to use my one form of power, which is kind of stringing a guy along so he won't hit me as much. Yeah, absolutely. What's playing hard to get? The talent to do nothing. Oh, I won't look at him. I won't laugh at his jokes. I won't tell him his video series is amazing. And it links to something that I'm guessing is hate by numbers. But let's say I'm wrong. We'll pretend playing hard to get is like the most super way to get a guy ever. We'll pretend you did your trick and instead of finding you tedious and bland, your dude asked you out and you eventually accepted. Just do me a favor and fast forward a little bit. Two weeks from now, what do you want your boyfriend to tell his friends about the relationship? Oh, the way she just sat there and did nothing was amazing. I just had to have her. There she was, not talking to me too much and not making too much eye contact. As I was all, man, I would love to have a girlfriend that might not actually dig me. This is just autism. Like what <laughs> an autistic girl. Yeah. Like, that's not hard to get. That's just like a woman who, who is on the spectrum. You're talking about Spencer's alarmingly uncommunicative girlfriend character. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this this isn't this isn't a girl like this isn't like a hot girl who's like, I need to let him know that he's my slave or whatever. Like this is a girl yeah. who's like, yeah, I'm not really feeling solid foods recently. <laughs> yeah, th- there's like a number of concepts that are just being like conflated here, right? Because like, I think when people say playing hard to get, they imagine that like the guy is already very into them. And that it's yeah. about sort of like trying to prove basically that he's serious and that he like, you know really cares about you and that he's not just going to like lose interest the moment you're not like reciprocating his attention giving him your entire world negotiating some amount of power and agency yeah. in the relationship or whatever or just, it's just fucking doing anything that like or the thing that like everybody does in like new relationships where you want to like appear the best version of yourself and like be more impressive than you might be otherwise right um yeah Imagining, imagining a girl playing hard to get with like a stranger or something, <laughs> yeah. completely missing the mem. Just like going up to a bank and then just like pretending not to ignore like the teller when it's like, "Ma'am, it's your turn." That's how you get the bank to give you more money. Yeah, ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, Let's finish number three and skip straight to number one after yeah. that. Wouldn't you rather overhear him say, I met this girl the other night and she was so funny. I laughed the whole night. Or this new girl, she gets things no other woman gets. I could talk to her. <laughs> <That's> the- <laughs> talk to her. She's not like other women. I think she might be endowed with a soul by Christ. <laughs> I think she might have the consciousness of a human being and not like a squirrel. I think emptiness won't be her reward after she dies. <laughs> I think heaven will be mad and her. Um, or lastly, wouldn't even praise you for your sexual performance being more gratifying than how awesome you are at hiding your feelings and true desires. But there's a bigger problem. Which guys are most susceptible to the playing hard to get trick? Only the kind of dude who wants what he can't have. Exactly. If your trick gets you a prize, then congratulations, you just want a dick. Your new man doesn't actually want you. How could he? he didn't, you didn't even show him you. You were too busy being cool. You just wanted a toy he didn't own yet. And guess what? Once he has you, you lose your only distinguishing character. Elliot Rogers fucking yeah, shit right here. It's definitely women's fault that this happens. But I'm this sure is some supreme gentleman fucking bullshit. Yeah. I'm sure he won't resent you for it. After all, you were spent fishing with super smart bait. 
the kind that only attracts assholes and disappears completely at the moment they bite. Well played. Am I the only one who thinks that Elliot Roger and Amazing Amy should do a scene? <laughs> we need them to link up. <laughs> yeah, no, th- this, this, that last paragraph especially is just like half of villains in pop culture talk like that this one they, if, yeah. they, if they let Ben Affleck do a cool guy speech in Gone Girl this is what it would say <laughs> <laughs> so our number one Esther do you want to read the number one for this article the number, number one, one mistake that yeah. women make this is the biggest mistake women make when dealing with men the yeah. single biggest one <laughs> number one being slutty is empowering Woo! Although it might upset some commenters, I still believe it's harder for a woman than a man. And even today, women are legitimately oppressed in many ways. Thank you for that overture of support. <laughs> I was getting worried for a second. <laughs> so enter feminism to address those inequities. The dictionary will tell you that feminism is a doctrine advocating social, political, and all other rights of women equal to those of men. Women will tell you feminism is, well, it depends on the decade. But because, because like all important things, feminism is always evolving. <laughs> The land of contrasts. <laughs> but with all of feminism's changes, there seems to be two constants. One, it confuses the hell out of women who don't have a strong sense of themselves. And two, it pisses off asshole men. That's I would... impressive. <laughs> That's impressive to be, to make the most sexist defense of feminism I've ever read. <laughs> Listen, I, I appreciate feminism. I know it's too smart for some of your woman brains out there. <laughs> <laughs> I went to college in the 90s. That was the height of Naomi Wolf beauty myth feminism. My peers were women who liked Annie DeFranco and wanted to run with the wolves. The 90s were fun, but they were filled with lots and lots of awful sex. I can't tell you how many women I met whose idea of whether or not they were empowered was all tied up in how they liked to screw. And tied up could not be a more inappropriate phrase, because restraining a woman in bed only happened on liberal arts campuses in the 90s during an exorcism. What? That's, that's the punchline you're going with? Wait. That's a that's a real sense-making sentence you've written there. <laughs> so his idea here is that women are too slutty, but also they won't let me put them in the gimp suit from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> they won't just like go into my basement of like medieval torture devices and just be like, oh, this one's my favorite, babe. Right after this, he posted a picture of a woman named mace macy hodges like just from her Flickr account <laughs> from her Flickr account and it just is captioned please get possessed soon <laughs> just a picture of a woman this is just from like her ring camera it's uh, from <laughs> she she on Flickr captured this camera a logs a uh, couple paragraphs a quote by Pablo Neruda that starts with, after being sick and getting up early to work all day yesterday, I took today as my rest. <laughs> he just found a hot woman on Flickr and said, I would like to, I would like to do sexual style exorcism to you. Yeah. Uh, it saddened me because I, oh. thought, I thought feminism was the freedom to have sex any dirty, filthy way you wanted without worrying about the psychosociological ramifications of being on your knees or having... Property of Gladstone written on your ass and lipstick. Personally, I never felt any less of a man because of any particular kind of sex I was having. So why should a woman? Regardless of the sexual act, I was still a man, fully capable of driving a stick, hitting a baseball, or getting into a fistfight. Unless I was wearing that thing that did the thing to my thing, but that was just physics. 
Now, what do we think he meant by that? <laughs> I don't think he knows. I, you I know think I keep that thing that does the thing to my thing on me. <laughs> I think it's just relying on implication and carrying him through this. Yeah, Jerry Lewis guest wrote this paragraph. <laughs> it's that, um... <laughs> It's that Kean Peel skit where like the guy is just being like, "I would love to see what's under there." He's <laughs> like, "Oh, it, it's a pussy, you know, it's a pussy, right?" And he's like, "I do not know what that is." <laughs> I thought women should have the same freedom and the same right to degrade and be degraded in any way that got them hot without having Naomi Wolf's babble filling their heads, ruining their orgasm. Man, fucking Naomi Wolf, we all hate her, right? <laughs> what? What? Did, what was she doing? <laughs> And she was just writing like these these feminist books about like uh, you know there's one called the beauty myth. Is this the same Naomi Wolf yeah. who had the, that classic tweet of like no uh, uh, no <laughs> <laughs> like a stuffed bear uh, novelty account like promoted getting the vaccine and she quote tweeted it saying no no <laughs> yeah it's the same one that's amazing yeah um, all right it's it- like last time vindicated. <laughs> In time, however, the 21st century happened, and a new era of sex-in-the-city feminism entered. Suddenly, women were saying, yeah, we can be slutty just like guys. After all, guys go out and try to get laid and brag about it, and society encourages them to do so. I'm going to do that, too. Suddenly, you had college girls tweeting about blowjobs and wearing their sexuality on their sleeves, thinking that they were supposed to go out and ride the world for the sisters, or they were somehow being oppressed. And though I would imagine this brand of feminism is a lot better for guys looking to get laid, it still makes me sad. It's still putting a pressure on women that shouldn't be there. Okay, can, can I just... angel so, Gladstone. Very, very quickly. Yeah. When he says tweeting here, there's a hyperlink to just twitter.com slash Gladstone. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't know if that okay. used to be to something else. <laughs> I'm kind of in awe of like the pivot from like, you know, I thought it was cool for if I wanted to like hurt a woman in bed, but like now women are going out and having sex with a lot of men. I should like the implication here is like, if anyone's going to hurt a woman, it better just be me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not really getting the point he's making of like, it used to be that uh, women wouldn't have sex because of feminism, but now they will have sex because of feminism. And that's a problem for me who wants to have sex with women (laughs) yeah he's he's framing it as like the culture pressuring them in different ways but like the most charitable reading of this basically is again that idea of like pop feminism means that women need to be safe from themselves right yeah they first needed to be liberated from having too little sex and now they need to be like rescued from being too like vocal about it basically because it's not even that they're having too much we're about to see that like the distinction here is that like he doesn't want them to talk about it in any way yeah yeah uh so he continues The whole premise is wrong. Yes, men are jealous of guys who get a lot of women, but women are wrong to think it's a trait that garners much respect. No one says, we need to calm corporate unrest. Be sure to tell the shareholders how much tang our new CEO is getting. It might surprise women, but you know what we call guys who go out and try to screw everything? Whores. Yes. No, you yes. don't. No, we don't. Yes. No, we don't. We do not. No, no. That happens. That's not... It's the only man on the I podcast. Know. <laughs> no, it has never I... happened. I do. That has never once happened. You know, if a guy has anecdotes about getting a lot of pussy, I will either be like, "That's cool," or "You're being kind of annoying right now." Whatever. Like, I think. I think what we're revealing is that all of Gladstone's friends think he is a woman, and they keep yeah. calling. That's why they keep calling him a whore. It's because he went golf yeah. one time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just no, trying to imagine like 
calling another like a guy friend of mine like he's like yeah you know I've, I've you know i have a pretty high body count and then i would just say like you're a whore in, like <laughs> yeah. a dead serious voice <laughs> and it's just be like what is your problem man? <laughs> just like spencer just like locking on to him doing the m bison psycho crusher and just being like yeah your daddy's a little whore now <laughs> Uh, know what we call the guy who's always going on and on about all the women he's landed? An asshole. And in my experience, even guys who were legitimately good at having a bunch of promiscuous sex wouldn't make a big show of it. Again, it's talking about it. Yeah. It's a subtle yeah. distinction. Yes, feminism is about women having the same right as men to be irresponsible, brash, and slutty. I'll agree. But being brash, irresponsible, and slutty doesn't make you a feminist. It doesn't make you empowered. It just makes you as irresponsible, brash, and slutty as some of the dudes we don't like. The lesson. (laughs) Now I need everyone, if you're not sitting down while listening to this podcast. Then please understand that this makes sense as Esther's Believes. Gladstone's article is over now. This is just her little No, 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 no. The final sentence. Think of it this way. It was completely unjust to deny black citizens the right to vote. Okay. But having gained that right, would a black man be empowering his race by voting voting for a segregationist? End of article. That's the that is the the best analogy I think I've ever heard in my entire life. There's I love that idea. I love well if, listen, we're seeing that uh, black people are starting to vote for Trump, so I think it's time to roll back some amendments. Yeah. <laughs> again yeah no being being a being a girl who talks a little bit too much about getting dick is the exact same thing as being a black man who votes for adolf hitler (laughs) (laughs) it's again it's that same fucking idea we're full circle of like what i hate most are women who don't deserve my pop feminism right like i made an effort i laid out this you know offer to them and they're spitting in that by like you know talking about having dick sucking lips and for that like you know i'm gonna take away the right to vote (laughs) so thank you so much for listening to episode two Uh, on our next episode we'll cover the video content that was popular around this time on cracked like after hours um what is it we are also on the patreon me and esther are going to next week we're going to start a you know a little bit of like a three-week series where we review all three american pulse movies some of you will probably be surprised that there is an American Pulse movie. Some of you will be more surprised that there are actually three of them. And <laughs> we're going to talk about all of them one way or another. So please go check that out. Otherwise, thank you for listening. This was a blast, and we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.